The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome to the Friday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, looking like a hot stripper for $2 bills. That's me. You like that one there? Yes. The reason we, we were just joking about that shit. So she says she requires $2 bills to, to strip us of Because I collect one. $2 bills. That's hot. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the pale princess herself, Miss Laura, say hi. Hi. Jesus Christ. Fuck, I got to quit laughing. We're going to have to start the fucking show. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. So here's what I got for you today, Miss Laura. I got a Mr. William McDonald, a.k.a. The Mutilator. They always sound like professional wrestler names. They do, horror. you know, and I, I love yeah. that shit. Yeah. You know, well, the only thing that I don't love about my researcher is she does still try to find those names that are so fucked up. Like, yeah, try to pronounce this one, asshole. Not good luck with that. No, you're not going to do it. That's why. And I'm sitting there, okay, his name was Hans Lutvendid. I it, there's too many goddamn consonants and I don't see one fucking vowel in yes. here. Quit fucking with me. That's what I gotta tell her. Quit fucking with me. But it's so much fun. <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right. So let's get into the background of Mr. William McDonald. William actually was born with a different name. His he was born Allen Ginsberg. Wow. On June seventeenth, nineteen twenty four, in Liverpool, England. Uh, no, like the uh, Beatles. Hmm. Oh, yeah. No, you're thinking of the Gatton Bean Bible. Ginsburg? I thought it was Gatton Bean. There's okay. so many. Yeah. He was the middle child of three boys. Both parents worked to keep the family out of, the, of severe poverty. Even as a child, he was a loner who never sought out companionship of others and didn't have any friends. That kind of, that sounds like an after-school special. Yes. You know, I, like, um, you know. Alan was here, and he didn't have any friends. He st- he sat on the school steps alone, crying and playing with his quarters and reading books. <laughs> it was uh, until Billy came along and said, "Hey, do you want to be my friend? See, it's good to be friends with people." That's what that sounds like <laughs> yes, to me. It does. Like for real, man. After school special shit. Fuck, he was before his time. His closet connection was with his, his closet. His closest connection with was with his mother. He's closeted with it his mother. It made sense to me for a second when I was reading it. I'm like, what? <laughs> that must be it right there. Yeah. Scott's right. <laughs> he was prone to take long walks at night by himself because that's not suspicious. His mother frequently had to call the police to go look for him. Hello, hello, police department. Can you go look for my son? My little freak is out wandering in Liverpool again, <laughs> thinking that he might be a beetle. But he's early because they were from the 60s and we're only in the 1920s and 30s. This is my favorite. Okay. Uh, Liverpool at the time was a dark, dirty place due to all the soot in the air from coal usage in domestic fires and industry and rank with the stench of tanning beds. So tanning beds isn't what you're thinking. It's, it's, we're, not, we're not talking like you're going down to L.A. and yeah. you see the blonde chick. The tanorexics. I'm going to like tan at sunset tan. Yeah. Because, you know, I have to get my legs just right because it's bikini season. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, God, Barbara, come on. Let's go. <laughs> no. This was for the preservation of leather yeah. to be made into goods. Not to be mistaken, as I said, for the beds that people get artificially tanned from UV lights today. Although those do turn people into leather. They really actually. Don't you like my tan? Uh, You should have foregone the tan because you look like a holster I have for one of my guns. I'm going to make a purse or boots out of you at some point. What's your name? My name's... Oh, I know. Uh, What's your name? My name's Debbie. No, your name is Boots. That's your fucking name. that's your name. name. Jesus. So Ginsburg was diagnosed with schizophrenia in his oh. teens. That makes a lot of sense, yes. there, right? During this period, the diagnosis didn't come with any real help. Because keep in mind, we're talking the 20s, 30s, maybe 40s. But you know what? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say this was in the 50s, which is they make him into his 30s. I said this on the last episode as well. 
and the one before that, and the one before that, and the one before that. During this time, anything prior to, like, I would say the 90s, where it started really coming into fruition, um, there was there, there was two kinds of help sci- uh, for, for psychology. There was, like, your mom and dad. Right. And the nut hut. Yep. And electric shock therapy and some cruelties that really were... Really cruel things. And, and, you know, that leave a lasting impression that makes things oftentimes made it worse. Worse. For Way sure. Worse. So, our little boy here runs off to the army. G.I. Joe, <laughs> the great English hero. <laughs> In 1943, when he was 19, Ginsburg, who's McDonald, oh, McDonald, had, no, I'm sorry, that's fucked had up. Had a body farm. Had a body farm. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O, with an arm harm here and an arm harm there. Uh, that's, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I talked to my shrink about getting different meds. So anyways, he enlisted into the British Army. Though some with mental illness may find the army life helpful with the built-in schedules and expectations, Ginsburg, with his antisocial and reclusive nature, did not. He was transferred to the Lancashire... What the fuck is that? Why are you fucking with me again, researcher? Fusiliers is what it looks like to me. Fusiliers? It's a line infantry regiment? Okay, we're just... Okay, yeah, that okay, works. Okay, so I was right. Yeah, okay, facilities. This was during the height of World War II. Well, they're effing fucking English. They shouldn't be using French words, the sons of bitches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Leave it to Americans to use French words so that we can butcher the language yeah. properly. Yeah. English, you can't. The, the people in England, they can't butcher other languages like we can. We do it right, because yes. if you're going to fuck it, go big, go home. Okay, so given the time and his already reclusive nature, Ginsburg was reluctant to make friends, of course. During his time there, he was raped in an air raid shelter. But get this, one of his corporals was threatened to kill him if he told anyone. That's fucked. Literally. Yeah. But fuck. Yeah, he was. Swear yeah. like a piggy, boy. I'm sorry. Swear like a piggy, Saya. Is that better? <laughs> oink, oink, oink. It is likely that this was his first sexual encounter. Uh. Trauma of the experience haunted him for the rest of his life. Yep. Though the experience was traumatic, McDonald would later decide it helped him discover that he was actually gay. He enjoyed the act, but not the way it was, it, it, the way it occurred. Understandable. Most people enjoy sex. No one enjoys being raped outside of extreme fetishes. And, and then it's not really rape. It's consensual, it's consensual. non-consent. Right. I, you have I've, consented to this. Right. I mean, I've, I've dated a few, yeah. chick that like, few, few chicks that like the rape scenario type thing. So, you know, and I'm always very thorough about making sure that it is okay because I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. Because it's... It's not just dangerous for the girl who likes it. Oh, yeah. It's dangerous it's, for the guy doing yes. it. Yes. So I, I've actually gone as far as to have women sign waivers. <laughs> no, and that's the smart thing to do. Yeah. That it way is. there, if anything comes up, I can say, hold on. This was fucking, she signed. This she is, signed yeah, this. this. Yeah. Is, you know, we're good to go. Which I'm, I'm, which I'm, not, I'm not opposed to. I'm not opposed to. I, Sexually, I'm a weird motherfucker because I am open to everything from like mild to wild. If a, if a chick says, "Look, I'm not in anything wild. Let's just make love," I'm cool with that. Yeah. If a chick sits there and goes, "Here's what I want. I want two thumbs up my ass and for you to yodel, and then spit butter into my butthole," I'm like, "Okay, okay. Is, is, is that it? That is that weird? That's no. That's not even weird to me. Like seriously, that's I call that Tuesday. That's what the fuck that I mean, is. I mean, I." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Ginsburg, who's McDonald, was discharged from the army in early 1947. So he heads on home. Back to Liverpool. Ginsburg lived uh, lived life as an openly gay man in his late 40s. Now, keep in mind, y'all, this is England. In the late 40s. In the late 40s. It's not like the gay population now. Like, seriously, like... If I came out of the closet myself right now and told everybody who, who, who works for us and my employers, hey, guess what? I'm now gay. They'd be like, 
Okay, congrats. What, you want a fucking party? Okay. The, the, who was? The godfather of computers. Oh. It doesn't surprise me. It, it, it's been a felony for a hell of a long time up until recent times. And in some cases was execution by it, it was it was punishable, uh, punishable by, by death. death. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. But nowadays, you know, but back, we're talking the 40s. This guy's living as an openly gay guy in his 40s in England, where I'm pretty sure it was still a felony then. But we're going to get into that. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Oh, okay. Right. Alan Turing was the one who helped them. So it uh, was England. most definitely illegal yeah, and punishable by death All right, cool. at that time. So he started soliciting gay men in pubs and, and public toilets. That's gross. I'll do some kinky stuff, but nothing with a toilet. Not in the public toilet. Not in the public toilet. No. That's disgusting. But anyway, hey, to each your own, you know? Yeah. This was a rough time for any homosexual anywhere, as they were often targets of constant harassment or more. At the time, it was illegal to be gay in Great Britain. Alan, what the fuck is Horsefall? Alan Horsefall says it was so little spoken about, you could be well into uh, late adolescence before you even realized it was a crime. Some newspapers reported court cases, but they talked of gross indecency because they could have, uh, they couldn't bring themselves to mention it. So young people were lucky if they could work out what was going on. So basically, what this guy's saying is, you're in your late adolescence, and all of a sudden you realize, hey, I really don't like girls, but guys, yeah, I'm kind of attracted to these dudes over here. They didn't even know it was a crime. To no. have these feelings that they're having. Yeah, right. During this period, men caught smiling in a park could find themselves arrested and being uh, in the wrong address book could lead you to a prison sentence. Jesus. Homosexuality in Great Britain, in Great Britain didn't become legal until 1967. Even then, it could only be between consenting adults, 21 or over, and in a private residence... Arrests were still made up until 2003. That's some bullshit. That is some fucked up shit, man. Arrested for being gay. And I've said it before, man. While I'm not gay, I don't care who anybody sleeps with. Like if a dude, like I've got gay friends, you know. I don't care that my gay friends like to suck dick. It doesn't. It doesn't make any difference. Exactly. You know, it's just fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we've actually kind of. Evolved past that at least a little bit. Yeah. Ginsburg found himself moving from job to job when the taunting and harassment grew too great. And then there was some help for him, but it was false help, unfortunately. Ginsburg, which is once again McDonald, because because our listeners will sometimes go, Who the fuck is Ginsburg? He said this dude's name was McDonald and he had a farm. <laughs> Pay attention. There'll be a test at the end of this, E-I-E-I-O. Ginsburg sought out psychiatric help as he was concerned the consistent uh, what the hell is that? Pre- persecution. That, uh, that is persecution, huh? Hooked on phonics didn't work for me. <laughs> persecution was causing delusions and and him to hear strange voices like, hey, you want to blow this guy over here? I, I, I think that's a strange voice. He it? already had strange voices, so I'm sure the stress made it oh, much totally worse. Way more. Hey, you want to take it in the butt? You know, well, whatever he's hearing. Whatever. Yeah, hey, not wanting to take it in the butt. That's Wednesday. The psychologist recommended that he stay in a mental hospital for a few months. His older brother committed to an uh, asylum in Scotland uh, in the later part of 1947, I think was committed to a, his older brother was committed to a asylum, so I think it was meant to be written. This sounds reasonable, right? Given today's standards, but at the time period, the mental hospital was not a good old fashioned, it, it was just a good old fashioned insane asylum. Reminiscent of a horror film. Yes. Cells were crammed to the brim with 
uh, and they were full of raving lunatics and freezing cold. Scotland isn't really known for its warmth, after all. <laughs> um, he was subjected to electroshock and water therapy. Uh, the hopes of performing electroshock therapy was to restart the brain and have it come out, quote, normal. Daily treatments of water therapy occurred, too. This is where the patient was restrained in a bathtub for hours at a time in very, very hot water. Or then put into freezing cold baths. Again, hoping to shock the body. And they were restrained from the neck down. Yes. Like you couldn't even touch your own face in those. Right, right. I remember reading about that yeah. shit. And it says, oh, it shocked the body all right. Just not the way the, benef- the benefits were intended. Yeah. He also received um, indecent. Th- that's not indecent. Incident. incident therapy, where the patient was purposefully and repeatedly placed in a coma and then revived. Oh, jeez. Ginsburg slash McDonald was there for six months until his mother came and got him. The electroshock therapy likely did not help. And in any way, and in fact, may have actually made things a bit worse by messing further with his, um, with the, uh, what's that word? Electric, eclectic. It's That's electric. What I read. Okay, it's the electric slide. Uh, the eclectic <laughs> slide. Okay, I wasn't misreading. It's that. eclectic. The electric firings in the brain. Because this is something that that my researcher and I talked about is that. As we learn things, your, your brain forms new pathways. Yes. Uh, as well as chemical responses. So as you're growing up, when you first time you see a tree, okay, your brain creates a pathway to know what that tree looks like, what it smells like, if you can touch it. Mm-hmm. Everything that you learned about that tree, and then those firings and that, those pathways change as you develop more information about that tree. Like there's squirrels in a tree. That's a different pathway that relates to that tree. There's birds. There's blue jays. And there's sparrows, and there's nests, and there's leaves, and then you saw a snake, and then I zipped up my pants. Everything that relates to that tree. And I screamed, uh, and, and I ran. And then you screamed, and you said, bad man, bad touch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not your cousin, Scotty. <laughs> so, anywho's, he also, uh, repeatedly placed him in a coma. I got to the bottom of that. Okay. No, we're good. Can't read, apparently. So, anywho's, he gets a brand new life. Delusioned and convinced his surroundings were the were the problem. Ginsburg, uh, I'm sorry, that says problem. Were delusioned and convinced his surroundings were the. Did you say problem or solution? Were the solution. Dis- disillusioned. Disillusioned. Okay, whatever it says. Anyway, he moved to Canada in 1947, and then to Australia in 1955, where he changed his name to William McDonald. It wasn't long after arriving in Australia, he was charged with indecent exposure after touching a detective's penis in a public toilet in Adelaide. Hey, officer. Of all people, you could have done that to. Whip it out for me. Mm, I like your billy club there. (laughs) Bad boys, what you gonna do when they come for you? Does it come for me? (laughs) The capital, anyway, Adelaide is the capital of South Australia. He was placed on a two-year behavioral bond, probably an undercover sting operation targeting gay men, by the way. It would be another two years until Australia broke from the tradition of following British law and made homosexuality legal. Like, hey, man, if you want to blow a dude, just fucking do it. This just takes too much time and energy. Who gives a shit? shit? Yeah, you know, as long as you're not, like, wrecking someone's rectum against their fucking will, we don't care. Safe, sane, and consensual. Yes. As soon as possible, McDonald moved to Ballarat in Victoria and worked as a construction worker singing the YMCA song. (laughs) Co-workers co-workers there gave him the name Hiding, Flogging, or Caning for being... Gave him a hiding, okay... They, they basically they flogged and, came, and caned him for being gay. What assholes! Oh, caning hurts. It does. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the cane myself. I learn more and more about you. 
as I put the cane back <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> McDonald slashed the tires of their bicycles in, re- in retaliation. He moved from state to state, holding jobs only until the harassment grew too great. The urge to kill increasingly building as he couldn't escape the laughter, both in real life and the echoes that played in his mind. I can bet I'd be ready to kill at that point. Oh, shit, yeah, man. The corporal who'd raped him and made him the source of their amusement was never far from his mind. So now we get into his victims. In January of 1961, McDonald moved from Sydney, Australia, and got a job uh, as a letter sorter under the name of Alan Edward Brennan. His alias has an alias. (laughs) Who has an alias? That has an alias that got a social security card for an alias (laughs) who has a subscription to a newspaper for his alias. (laughs) He became... Well known for hanging around the parks and public toilets where gay men frequented. In Brisbane, early that same year, McDonald befriended 63-year-old Amos Hurst outside the Roma Street station. They went drinking at, at a local pub. They came back to Hurst's place where they drank more, more booze. McDonald surprisingly used alcohol in an attempt to self-medicate. Oh, yeah. a fucking shocker. When Hearst was solidly drunk off his ass, McDonald strangled him. Hearst was like too likely too drunk to know what was going on until it was too late, and he began to hemorrhage. Oh boy! Blood poured out of his mouth all over McDonald's hands. McDonald punched him in the face, killing him. That was the final straw. Like you're dead, motherfucker. He got the bleeds. He's got the bleeds. McDonald placed his bo- the, the body in Hurt's bed, stripped off his pants and shoes, pulled the sheets over his head, and tucked it in all around him. Nighty night. <laughs> he stood there waiting for a bit, then turned off the lights. He just left. Five days later, McDonald read in the newspaper article declaring Hurt's death an accident. This surprised McDonald, for he had been scoring, uh, scouring the newspapers those days. Certain the police were going to catch him. In spite of being confident, no one had seen him exit. Now we're on June 4th, 1961. Police were called to, Sydney, uh, to the Sydney Domain Baths. Alfred Reginald Greenfield, fuck me, a 41-year-old homeless blacksmith had been sitting in the, uh, on a park bench in Green Park across the street from St. Vincent Hospital. McDonald offered him a drink and lured him into the baths under the promise of more booze. McDonald waited for uh, until Greenfield had passed out and then stabbed him 30 times. Oh, taking zero. out some anger there. No shit. Talk about your way to fucking get exercise and was sick catharsis. You're going to have to switch arms, though. That's what I'm thinking. Switch hands eventually. No kidding. It's like masturbating really fast. Anyway. <laughs> The first stab severed the arteries in his neck. McDonald pulled down his pants and underwear and severed his genitals. Oh, boy. And then put them in a plastic bag, washed his hands and face in the tap, and threw the plastic bag into the Sydney Harbor. The baths were a popular spot during the day, but at night they were haunted by the homeless. There were there are many nooks and concealed... There were many nooks to conceal them from the cold, so they so it's not unsurprising no one saw him that rainy night. The media called him the mutilator, and police thought they police thought they would catch the killer in no time at all. A two thousand dollar reward was offered for information. Panic flooded the city, and homeless men fought each other. For the room, for room in the shelters. You know, they didn't want to get killed like the other homeless dude. Ernest William Cobbins met McDonald while walking down the street. McDonald lured him uh, to Moore Park and drank some beer with him in a public toilet. Dude loves public, public toilets. That, yeah, that's where I'd like to drink some you beer. Know, I wonder if it's just for the shits and giggles. <laughs> while Cobbins sat on the toilet, McDonald casually put on a plastic raincoat he bought 
uh, brought with him, then quickly struck Cobbins across the neck with a knife in an uppercut-style motion, severing his jugular vein and spraying blood all over McDonald's arms, face, and coat. Cobbins raised his arms in defense as McDonald continued to stab him a total of 50 times. He was up in his game. Yeah. The toilet was completely covered with blood. McDonald pulled down Cobbins' pants and underwear, cut off his genitals, placed them and the knife in a plastic bag, and left, stopping only long enough to wash his, the, the blood off of his face and hands. Even though it had to be all over his clothes at that point, too. Well, he had the raincoat on, you know, because he thought it Sorry, that's right. At home, he washed the genitals and the knife in warm water, because, you know, better than cold water. You know I'm shriveling up. (laughs) Pickled testicles, anyone? Rinsing off the blood. Put them into a clean plastic bag, and he just went to bed. But he didn't just go to bed. He went to bed with the severed testicles and genitals. Oh, all right. Little dick in a bag. Anyway, he he disposed of the bag later. Monday morning, McDonald. <laughs> Monday morning, McDonald went to work like nothing had ever happened. Like it's just another day at work. So by this time, the media had all forgotten about Greensfield's murder. Because you know, hey, it's old news. Right. The police had chalked it up to just another cold case. Their minds were quickly changed. Police issued a warning saying, we believe, we believe police pressure is forcing this murderer into the open. And he could strike anywhere, any and any time. We feel any man who is alone in a lonely street or park for more than 10 minutes could be murdered and mutilated by this maniac. We believe he is a psychopathic homosexual who who is killing to satisfy some twisted urges, not like Twisted Blue. (laughs) So, whoever is responsible for that statement pretty much nailed it. Mm, Too bad no one really listened. Nobody gave a fuck. They're like, fuck you, we don't care. Yeah. You know, it's a murderer, so hey. And at the same time, it keeps up the all homosexuals are horrible Psychos. Right, and that's what I was going to say. They, these are gay guys dying, so why the fuck should anybody else care? They're yeah. just gay guys. Police staked out the bars and hotels, which tended to cater to gay, the gay population to no avail. Right, yeah. Wrong locations. Mm-hmm. Now, and that's what bothers me in this. I'm reading this, and it says that they're finding victims around the bathhouses and parks and public toilets. So what do they do? We're going to stake out the gay bars. That makes a hell of a lot of fucking sense. Get going. Good going, great, cop great shop. Great job. Good job. Yeah. Great fucking police work there, dipshits. On March 31st of 1962, in suburban Darlinghurst, New South Wales, a nine-minute drive from Sydney, Frank Gladstone McLean was walking down Bork Street after leaving the Oxford Hotel where he was staying. McDonald followed him past the local cop shop. That's a police station for those of you that don't get that. And then initiated a conversation and suggested they go for a drink around the corner and down the side of the street. After rounding the corner, McDonald struck him in the neck with a knife he had purchased earlier that day at Mick Simmons Sporting Goods store in Sydney. McLean was reportedly too drunk to fend him off. Presumably, he had already been drinking at the hotel bar. That's yeah. a good presumption there, right? Otherwise, he was over... He was over six foot. He was an over six foot tall man. Could have easily overpowered the much shorter McDonald. McDonald stabbed him again and punched him repeatedly. It was then he heard a baby's cry and hid. Mr. and Mrs. Cornish were out walking. Oh yeah, they go out walking After before midnight, midnight yeah. out in the moonlight. I'm just hoping you may be not killing some <laughs> guy next to me. <laughs> Sorry, that's horrible. I ruined Patsy Cline for everybody. That's no, fucked up. That's impossible. <laughs> so anyway, they, the Cornish couple—they were out walking with their baby when they encountered a still living McLean. They believe their baby's cries altered the killer's pos. Uh, probability whatever saved their lives 
uh, probably saved their life. They're, they're, so the baby's crying probably saved their lives. After the family left to get help, McDonald emerged, pulled McLean further down the lane, and stabbed him again a total of six fucking times. He wasn't messing around. This dude doesn't play, man. Like, this guy is not playing a game. No. McDonald pulled down his victim's pants, sliced off his genitals, and put them in a plastic bag, went home and washed them. It doesn't say specifically, but it's reasonable to assume he slept with them and then uh, with them next to him, and he did as he did with Cobbins. Do you get money for that if you put them under your pillow? I'm wondering. Yeah, I've heard of the Tooth Fairy. Do they have the Nut Fairy? <laughs> like, oh, that's two beautiful testicles. Here's a dollar. <laughs> right two dollars <laughs> oh there you go man it's a big tipper three dollars one for each nut in the penis <laughs> oh no he got the whole thing police thought this was the work of a deranged surgeon due to the precision used to remove the genitals of course they didn't link it to the homeless men who had been attacked in a similar fashion in sydney this man wasn't homeless, though. Duh. Mm-hmm. He's staying in a fucking hotel, right? With a bar. Police investigated countless doctors. McDonald read about his crimes in the paper and had trouble reconciling that it was him he was reading about. <laughs> well, schizophrenic. Right. So there you go. He participated in debates with co-workers about who could commit such acts. <laughs> Can wow. you imagine doing that? Like, wow. for real. Like, you're the one murdering somebody and you're talking to their... their. I, I'm just wondering if he used, like, an early version of the O.J. Simpson uh, theory, which is, if I would have done it, or if you went, why, I think it could be... Um, it must be an Aboriginal guy because they're black and black yep. guys always get the shit end of the stick when it comes down. And I, I heard him go, blah, 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 while he was stabbing somebody. must have been him. I'm just wondering what defense he used, like what he led the conversation with. So. Co-workers about the crime. So I said, okay. It was if it was if someone else had committed the crimes and he had found it frightening. I'm scared. I'm a gay guy. I hang out at public toilets and bars and uh, and in parks where these people have been killed and these guys all sound and look familiar. So I'm scared that he's going to get me. <laughs> Crazy ass motherfucker. Yeah. McDonald thought about turning himself in, but the truth was he enjoyed killing too much to do so. At Can't least not him. yet. He wasn't ready yet. Yeah, he's not ready yet. He's like, fuck it. You know, I like killing people and chopping off dicks and nuts. Good times. McDonald was fired from his job at the post office, and he didn't go in and shoot anybody. I want to <laughs> go post one thing. He opted to buy a mixed business store in Concord, a suburb of Sydney. Again, under the name of Brennan. His intention was to sell sandwiches and small goods while living above the store. He only lived there for about a week after paying the deposit. On June 2nd of 1962, McDonald went to a wine saloon on Pill Street. Pills and wine. It's a beautiful combo. (laughs) There he met Patrick Joseph Hackett, a thief who had just been released from prison. The two of them went back to McDonald's place and drank some more booze. Hackett fell asleep on the floor. McDonald fetched his boning knife from his delicatessen downstairs. So he could spatchcock him. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. And stabbed Hackett clean through the neck. That's what I was thinking. I'm still stuck on YouTube telling me what the hell spatchcocking was. Well, that's what you would do with a boning knife. I still think this is a sexual position. (laughs) I just got to admit that. Like someday I'm going to be looking at a chick going, hey, baby, you want to spatchcock? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm gonna season you with special with my special spices, a butter sauce. Hackett <laughs> woke up, tried to defend himself by pushing the knife back into the attacker's uh, other hand and cutting it in the process. McDonald renewed his attack with with frenzy, eventually hitting the heart, but didn't stop until he was literally out of breath. Blood was splattered all over the walls and the floor. 
The knife was so blunted, he was unable to remove Hackett's genitals. Oh, boy. So he dulled that motherfucker. Though he did try. He tried to remove them. He's like, this is too fucking. It's like like a dull butter knife. I can't (laughs) do it. Where's Ginsu when you need it? He passed out next to his victim and woke up in a sticky pool of blood, go figure. The blood has soaked through the floorboards and into the couches of the shop below. McDonald cleaned himself up and went to the hospital where he he told the doctors he had cut himself in his shop. They went back home, cleaned up the blood, and dragged Hackett's corpse under the floorboards of the shop. Some sources say basement. Now, we did another one like this just last week. I think it was where the dude with the fucking legs coming out and hitting him in the head. <laughs> Can't remember his names. I'm, you know, and, and Nielsen, that was it. Yeah. So I'm seeing a commonality here. You go, I want a can of soup. And you open up your fucking cover. And, oh, legs hit me and a penis in my ear. What the hell? That's not right. That's not Campbell's. That's not Campbell's. That's not right. That's not good. <laughs> no. And that's been sitting there a while. That's not right. It's going to be like the telltale heart. <laughs> Thinking police would come looking for the victim, McDonald fled to Brisbane. On the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. All my life is hacking up all my friends. Three weeks later, neighbors noticed a really bad stench and called the health department, which in turn notified the police. On November 20th, the officers discovered a rotting corpse too badly decomposed to be ID'd. The the preliminary autopsy showed the victim was a male in their 40s. And since this match, this matched the description of the missing shop owner, they looked no further. By July of 1963, police did not link the cases with the previous mutilator kills. As the as their profile stated, the killer was operating in Sydney's inner eastern suburbs, which was many miles away. So this is called the case of the walking corpse, like kind of like a Bella Lugosi movie or <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, nice little Romero film. Yes. After Brennan, a.k.a. McDonald, was uh, misidentified, a notice of his death was published in the newspaper. Former co-workers from the post office held a small memorial service like, we miss you. You were a good guy. You were really creepy. Sorry we were mean to you. Sorry we were mean to you about you liking to, you know, like, blow dudes. McDonald was hiding in Brisbane all the time, but soon moved to New Zealand. He was certain the police were after him. McDonald felt the urge to kill, but he felt he had to go back to Sydney in order to do it. Because, you know, New Zealand kills are just not as good as... They're much, it's a much smaller place. Yeah, you look right up. You people aren't worth my time. I don't <laughs> want to even murder you. That's how disgusted I no am. No kiwis. No kiwis for you. While there, he ran into a guy by the name of John McCarthy, a former co-worker who had attended his service, his funeral service. McCarthy, surprised, said, I believed you had died. McDonald responded, leave me alone. <laughs> and he ran away. And then he, he shook his fist and said, get off my lawn. <laughs> M- damn McCarthy kid. He didn't say that part. <laughs> McCarthy went straight to the cops who dismissed him as delusional. Basically saying, dude, you're drunk and imagining things. Go home. Sleep that shit off, yeah. you fucking alcoholic. You know, it's Australian. It's not a good day for you. You can't have another Foster's. No shrimp on the Barbie. Go home and sleep that it's shit off. It's not your birthday. Yeah, it's not your birthday. No crooks for you, mate. <laughs> the next day, McCarthy tried again with the police, and they still dismissed him. They told him he was crazy. McCarthy talked to Joe Morris, a reporter with the Daily Mirror. Finally, someone who believed him. Morris published an article titled The Case of the Walking Corpse. This forced police to address the issue and exhume the body and do a full autopsy. Guess what they found? You guessed it. Fingerprints identified the body as that of Hackett and not Brennan, Mm -hmm. which is McDonald. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
You know, reading this, AKA, I feel like AKA. I feel like I should be going, going. Get your program, get your program here. You can't tell one AKA without another without a program here. Get your program and peanuts. You want peanuts in the program, Mister? Oh, catch right over here. Penis and programs. <laughs> this is the penis program. My name's Scott, and I'm going to unzip my pants. <laughs> he had, in fact, sta- uh, been stabbed several times in his genitals, mutilated, making it potentially the work of the mutilator. Next on WWE, the mutilator. <laughs> and Dr. Mangala. Police released a composite sketch of Brennan, which depicts the clean-shaven, narrow-faced, with a receding hairline. The sketch, which has to be corrected. That's a stretch. Anyway, the sketch was released in every newspaper in the country. McDonald, who is, once again, Brennan, had taken a job in Melbourne, uh, on the Melbourne Railways, under the name of David Allen. His alias, alias, had an alias. <laughs> Co-workers immediately recognized him and contacted the police who arrested him. They said, come with me, David, Brent, Allen, McDonald, Grinch, uh, you, dude, whatever the fuck your, your name, name is. Your name is, yeah. Because we're all confused now. We've got a program and we still can't follow how many AKAs you have. Yeah. You're coming with us. You're done. When he arrived to collect his paycheck, that's when he, they busted him. Like, hey, I'm here to get paid, mate. And they're like, no, no, you're not, dickhead. You're coming with us. Come down, down, Shane. Police were shocked to learn Brennan wasn't his real name. Dun, dun, dun. McDonald confessed to all of the murders, stating he felt the urge to kill, and the voices in his head told him the victims were the corporal who had raped him. He said, quote, I thought when the corporal attacked me, he took my life away. So I thought I'd destroy his sex the same way. So now we got some trial and sentencing going. The trial began in September of 1963. McDonald pled not guilty by reason of insanity because I'm crazy. Which, I mean, that could really... It's kind of true. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Fucking allergies. I took allergy pills. I'm still dying. So, it was one of the most sensational trials in the nation's history. McDonald testified in great detail about the crimes. How the blood splattered all over his raincoat as he castrated his victims. How he put their genitals into plastic bags and took them home, washed them, and t- took them home with them and washed them, etc. This was shocking to jurors. Well, I would be me too. And this is in the 60s. Yeah. And we're in the 2022. If I'm sitting there and some guy goes, I chopped the guy's nuts and dick off, put him into a, a bag and slept with him, took him home with me and be like, oh, what the fuck? No. But did you uh, use the actual brand name Ziploc bag? Like, did, did you, you use, use a, a good one? Because if Dawn Soap is gentle enough for a duckling, this is yes, it's gentle enough for cockleballs. Yes. <laughs> that, from a duckling <laughs> to a dickling, use Dawn Soap. <laughs> Some of them passed out during the description had to be removed from the courtroom. McDonald showed no remorse and admitted he would be likely to kill again if he got the opportunity. Though it seems shocking to us for the jurors to have been so shocked, keep in mind, this is the nature where largely, what the fuck, keep in mind, of this nature where largely unheard of during, oh, okay, the crimes of this nature, I missed the crimes. Anyway, what he did was largely unheard of at the time. It's behind me, isn't it? It, Yeah. (laughs) I felt the disturbance in the force. In fact, he is Australia's first true serial killer. So they had never heard of this shit before. To the amazement of three expert psychologists, the jury ignored the psychologist felt was overwhelming evidence of insanity and handed in a guilty verdict. Justice, justice, 
<laughs> Justice McClannan, I shouldn't have drank two bottles of wine with you guys, <laughs> making me an alcoholic. Stated it was the most barbaric case of murder and total disregard of human life to come before his court. McDonald was sentenced to five consecutive life sentences with a strong recommendation that he never be released. And I agree. Since he himself said he's going to kill you, kill again. But give it, keep in mind, there's a lot of stupid ass fucking politicians, judges, and cops out there. Hey, look, I'm going to murder again. Go along, you, you scamp. You're not going to murder again. It's okay. We're running out of room in here, and we're uh, running out of room. Just skip along. Now. Yeah. McDonald was imprisoned at Long Bay Hospital, a division of Long Bay Correctional Center. He was known in prison simply as Bill. Why not? Yeah. Fuck it. Closest to his name, I guess. In 1995, McDonald told Fairfax journalists, my life has improved since I came to jail. It is terrible out there. People aren't even safe in their own homes. I wouldn't want a new start. I would be afraid that I would do the same thing again. Then say, a leopard never, they say a leopard never changes his spots. There's something in me, and it's inbuilt, inbuilt, okay, inbuilt. And it's something I can't change. McDonald reiterated this sentence in 2003 when he stated, I have no desire to go and live on the outside. I wouldn't last five minutes. At least he knows. True. And that I admire. What he did was horrible, like all of our serial yeah. killers are. But at least know thine self. Yes. Is the saying. Know thine self. And he does. He knows, hey, if I'm out, while I would love, I, to me, I get the feeling like he's saying almost, I can lie to myself. I can say, no, I wouldn't do this. But the truth be told. I know I, I would. I, I'm going to do this again. Yeah. If I'm out there, uh, not only am I in danger, but the public is in Everyone danger. Everyone else is, yeah. yeah. On May 12th of 2005, at 90 years old, William McDonald died from gastro Gastrointestinal. Gastrointestinal blockage. This is a big word, Scott. It was a big blockage. <laughs> a big word for his <laughs> blockage. At Prince of Wales Hospital in Randwick. At the time, he was the oldest and longest serving prisoner in New South Wales custody. Wow. So how about some final thoughts? Do you think this is nature or nurture? I think he was a paranoid schizophrenic. And having your first sexual experience be rape can really fuck you up. I agree. So. I agree. Some of both. So how much of the urge to kill was due to McDonald's schizophrenia versus his experience in the army? Like I'm saying, I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a combo of both. Yeah. You had schizophrenia and you have what was happening, right? Yeah. The asylum and the constant persecution of being gay Oh, I didn't read the rest of it. That's why. Or was it a deadly combination of all the factors? No, I think it's a deadly combination of all the yeah. factors. This is what my researcher wrote down. So I should have read the whole sentence because apparently I don't know how to read full sentences. <laughs> McDonald himself believed it was an ingrained part of himself that he could not escape. And I agree with that. Yeah. I think that Me too. had it just been the rape, I think that he wouldn't have been a killer. If it would have just been schizophrenia. I don't think he would have been a killer. But you get those two together. Together? That's, I mean. A lethal combination. Powerful shit. Yes. Yes. Do you have anything you want to add there, gorgeous? I think I'm. You know, you get more gorgeous the more wine I drink. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucked up. I'm sorry, Lord. Thanks a lot. Don't shoot me. (laughs) I have a a knife over here. And that's how Laura wound up on Brutal Nation. (laughs) She murdered me. You did just get a new thing of Ziploc bags, so. Laura, have I mentioned how beautiful you are today? <laughs> that's, that's better. I'm some ass so I don't die that's today. That's better. 
All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium and Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. You get the full story without any of my bullshit along with it. Although I, once again, will say, I like my bullshit. <laughs> and I like touching myself inappropriately while we're recording. Also, remember, because we were talking about this earlier today, is that Keep an eye on our website because it's changing. We're getting a new website that should launch fairly soon in the next couple of weeks. <coughs> With any luck. And it's going to have fun games and some prizes and things like that. One of my favorite that keeps in my head is the Wheel of Toxins. Wheel of Toxins. I love Wheel And the, the bingo card for Medical Mondays. Yes. Medical bingo. It's going to be good. It's going to be good times. We're coming up with some games and like I said, t-shirts and mugs and maybe even a sexy picture of me. You know, like paint me like those French girls, Jack, <laughs> pose type of a thing. <laughs> Yeah, just I know posing that's with like a mug that has it on. Oh yeah, there. just blocking my junk. <laughs> yeah. I've actually got a picture like that on my phone where it's me in front of a mirror mm-hmm. with just my Axe body wash. There's a reason. Gather around, kids. Scotty's got a story. <laughs> so I was in um, the Grand Oregon. I'm staying the night there, and you know, you flip through Facebook and you see all the really buff, ripped guys. They get plenty of representation. Yeah. You know who doesn't? Fat fucks like me. So I'm looking at that, going, oh. No. You know what? This is a call to arms. I'm going to the bathroom. I'm buck-ass naked. I get my axe body wash. I block my dick off so it's not inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I take a picture. And I had other fat dudes post the pictures of themselves just the same damn way. That's awesome. still have that picture. Why? Fat pride. Be fat. Be fat. Be proud, man. Yeah. Yeah. You saw, you I bet you still, still have, have that picture. She <laughs> masturbates to it. But I, don't, I can't blame her. I masturbate to While it, While smelling the axe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Sorry, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> 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 All right, boys and girls. Remember, this show is copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And guess what? Me and the lovely, luscious Laura will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.